Fuck Christmas. It's a fucking Disney show. Fuck reindeer. And all that fucking snow. Fuck carols and fuck Rudolph and his stupid fucking nose. Fucking sleigh bells tinkling everywhere you fucking goes. Fuck stockings and fuck shopping, it just drives us all insane. Go tell the elves to fuck themselves. It's Christmas time again. All the kids go to bed each night to dream what Santa brings them. Unless they're Jewish or Muslim or some other chip religion. Muslim, Merry fucking Christmas, put down that book, the Koran, and here's some holiday wishes. In case you haven't noticed, it's Jesus's birthday, so get off your heathen Muslim ass and fucking celebrate. Welcome to Last Man Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. As always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. As this is our last podcast of 2018, Matt will be embarking on a multi-week adventure where, in dress as St. Nick, he speedboats alongside various gay and or Disney cruise ships, forcefully boards them for an evening of debauchery and epic sodomy, barely legal even in international waters. Santa isn't bringing the Naughty Boys coal this year. What are you doing, Matt, for your uh, big Christmas break? Uh, Besides uh, high seas butt piracy. <laughs> I think I'll be in L.A. I, I don't think I've ever spent Christmas in L.A. So, uh, you know, hang out with some friends, have some dinners, and uh, usually gamble on basketball on Christmas Day. Don't people leave? Doesn't everyone leave L.A. for Christmas? Isn't that like a thing? I've never been here, so. Because nobody actually lives. Nobody's from here. Like, you don't know. There's nobody actually from here, so there's nowhere to go in L.A. during Christmas time. Yeah, I think the whole town. Ta- well, if you're in the entertainment industry, as you know, people stop working around the 1st of December <laughs> yes, and they, they tapered it off. So they were working four hour days <laughs> Yes, and uh, then they'll resume around the 15th of January. <laughs> and uh, I never understood that schedule because when I was like, uh, when I had an age where my agent would like say I had a script to try to send this like to production companies or studios back in the day, they'd always say like, okay, we got to get, got to get in by, if it's not in by November 9th, it's forget it. Right. I'm like, what do you mean forget it? He goes, yeah, I mean, after Thanksgiving, nobody's around. I'm like, well, what do you mean no one's around on Thanksgiving? Where do, they go, they'll be back in like mid-January. It's insane. They don't do anything <laughs> no. and, they, and they get paid a lot. I mean, Christmas, the break is great. The whole not working thing. If you're like, uh, raking in millions of dollars in residuals yes. and whatnot, but if you're trying to get something accomplished, it's actually pretty frustrating. Well, I could see how like a studio, a multi-millionaire studio chief, or you know, a Katzenberg was taking like eight weeks off at, at, at the end of the year yeah. to go to his private island or something. But what does like a mid-level, like development or creative executive do? They don't get eight weeks holiday. They don't get eight weeks vacation. I mean, they still well, have to go to an office. They right? They don't We're, call it that, but they're. It's just I think it's because the super senior people are gone. They just they have to show up at the office and do nothing. Right. 
But there's no way like a 28 year old like a creative executive is getting like eight weeks paid vacation at the end of the, at the end of every year. I don't think it's that official. I think yeah. it's it's you kind of just don't show up some days. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then then they would say like, okay, so you have a window. Then there's like Sundance, and then so you have February, and then March, and then April, and then Cannes, and then summer, and then no one's back. No one's gone in July and August. Yes. Yeah. There's like six. There's literally five months a year when you could submit scripts. There's five months, and of those five months, there's basically two days a week because Friday that's a wash. We're taking off on on Friday, yes. and uh, you know Monday it's like we're busy because we we took off half a Thursday and Friday. So really, the only time you can get a, a conversation or phone call in is like Tuesday afternoon <laughs> right. to Wednesday morning because Wednesday you're planning for the Thursday. But aren't these people always weekend. stressed? Out? Aren't the junior people at least always stressed out, like working hundred hour weeks and stuff? <laughs> I don't know who. What are they doing? Like if the bosses are working, t- you know, uh, like maybe five hundred hours a year. How can the junior people be working three thousand hours a year? What what the fuck are they doing? They're always like stre- they always like seem really busy and stressed I out. I think they're pretending to be stressed. I out. I think so too. <laughs> I really do. The biggest disappointment I had in Hollywood is when I went to my manager. Well, first learning that like every agent, every like young hot agent had a Porsche, and then learning that they only made like forty eight grand a year, <laughs> <laughs> and they were leasing them and could barely pay for them. <laughs> and then I went to I had a manager who was a big she was big pretty big shot manager, and but younger you know thirties. And uh, but I you know always in the trades and stuff like that. And I had to go to her house one time. I think it was over the Christmas holiday. Drop something off, and it was just a shitty, rundown, ratty apartment. Yeah. And I was just so disappointed. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to go up to like near the spelling house or something like that. Right. And she was in like a three hundred and fifty dollar a month rent control place. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and she was listed as like one of the top like thirty managers in Hollywood or something under under forty or thirty, whatever that was. There really is not unless you're at the top. People don't understand unless you're. Like in the top ten percent of Hollywood, there's ju- you're just not making much money. Yeah, like they make bazillions, but everyone below them makes like wage, just regular wages. Yeah, it's been consolidated a lot as as of you know recent years too. This week's show is sponsored by the first transgender Miss Universe contestant in the show's illustrious history. That would be the Donald Trump owned show's illustrious history, although he divested. Uh, Miss P- Miss Spain. That's the one thing he divested in. Yes, <laughs> not the Trump organization, and only because you remember he. Uh, uh, NBC refused to uh, uh, carry it. NBC and uh, what's Univision, Univision or one of them, uh, the Spanish broadcast, refused to cover it after he called all the Mexicans dirty rapists. Mm. They refused to cover it any longer if he was still the owner. So, and apparently, Latino Spanish speaking audience was half the audience for it. <laughs> so he had to he divested it. Otherwise, they would have lost the entire value of the show. Uh, that's the one where he used to go around to the remember he used to go around to the contestants and tell them how they were too fat. Yeah, he would insert himself into the dressing room yes, area, yes. Uh, which is, I picture just a <laughs> bunch of people huddled behind towels, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he would try and he would try and peek at their at their privates. And yeah, stuff. he's a real uh, piece of shit. Yeah, although I, if I owned a, a beauty pageant, I think I would probably do something 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 similar. I wouldn't just because I I wouldn't think I could get away with it. Oh really? I mean, I, would, I don't. I'm not a big private peeker, but I think I would hit on all the all the contestants in the very least. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by that first transgender, Miss Spain. She brought in huge applause when she performed the feat for the talent portion of the evening. None of the other contestants could muster. I have diagrams if you wish to visit the site. They're rated M for mature. We're going to talk about her in a little bit, but uh, I've been searching the web for the last 48 hours doing nothing but trying to find out if she has a penis or not. And um, it's always hard with the transgender to know if they are tucking or if they had it lopped off. It would have had to have been the tuck. You think so? Well, I'm saying if she has a penis... 
Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But it I wasn't don't, hanging out of her bikini. You bottom. don't know. Like I still don't know if Caitlyn Jenner has a penis or not anymore. It's like the, it's they like dance around it for like show she teasers. A, she has a penis, I think. There was a big teaser like in the second season of her show where she was going to have the full surgery done, but they I think they just do it as teasers. I I, I wonder when. If these guys who become girls can really... That's the final step, right? That's the big one. That's yeah. the one you can't come... I mean, I guess the fake breasts, you had hormones, you could always come back from that. Once you lop off the, the man junk, that's... It's a big one, but it's committed. not like you or I chopping our penis off. I mean, when you're shooting up all that estrogen, I think it shrivels into a little, uh, it's little not prune any longer. type of thing. Still, but even as a, growing up as a boy and a man, I think lopping off, I mean, literally lopping off your junk has to be a huge psychological... Uh, Sort of chasm overcome. Well, it's not really chopping off your penis. I love when people say that. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know. What do you not believe in facts? <laughs> like that's like the pro, uh, you know, like super progressive people are like the they'll act like you're you're crudely misrepresenting what happens. Like, <laughs> did, you, did I ever tell you quickly that my friend is a was a plastic is a plastic surgeon, and back in the day he was going to go into these transsexual surgeries. He did uh, some uh, work in it because it's just huge money. And so he did this a uh, couple guys, surgeries on a couple guys, either assisted, I, I think he assisted a guy on a few of these surgeries. And he was fine with it because it was like cash money. It's all cash money. The surgery was like 120 grand and you got to come up with cash. So imagine all the doctors are getting paid a fortune to do these surgeries. Uh, and there's not a ton of them, but there's enough of them. It's a big business. And so he did this one guy who was a Marine. He was a guy, male Marine. This was probably 20 years ago, uh, who had, uh, was in Korea. This guy was like in his 60s now, late 60s. He was a hardcore like drill sergeant from Korea, and he did this. They did the surgery, turned him into uh, his male genitalia into female genitalia, and he called my friend over the doctor. And he came to check on how he was doing like a day or two after surgery. He said, "I want to show you something. It's a big thing for me." And he called my friend over and he pulled back the covers, blankets of his uh, uh, on his bed, and he was wearing a pair of pink panties. Mm. And he said, "This is like the biggest moment in my life." And my friend politely like said, oh, that's amazing. And then walked out and said he would never, ever do a transgender surgery again because it broke his heart to see a Marine. Just there's something about it, like seeing the Marine battle tested Marine oh. excited about wearing pink panties without a penis in it for the first time. Yeah, the panties. It was too much. He said it was just too. I mean, he goes like, I'll try to be progressive. But it was just it was too much for me. Well, it's also like if something sounds too good to be true, it, it probably is. So it's like, well, we're going to do this operation. You're going to have. A vagina, just like you know, all the pretty girls do. It's like, well, not exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm guessing if you're a 60 year old, a 68 year old ex Korean vet, you're probably not taking it up the up the vagina that often. I mean, it's probably more of a feels to you yeah, type of thing. I mean, I'm just saying in terms of uh, the biological structure. Oh yes, yes. And you know what you you've seen what vaginas do. Yes, right, yes. You, you have several children. Yes. Yeah, so you there's none of that going you on. You can't do. I was just watching. I've been watching since I'm bored. I've been watching the old South Park episodes, and the one where Mr. Garrett becomes a woman. That's uh, funny because he doesn't want to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'd rather. And then he finds out that he has no period. He can't have his period. Right. So he he determined he must be pregnant. So he demands an abortion. <laughs> Because his, ho- his whole goal was to get an abortion. <laughs> to become a woman so he could get an abortion. And then he finds out that he can't have his period. Then he wants to go back to being a man because that was the only thing he wanted. Awesome. He, felt re- he, felt re- he felt completely ripped off. Uh, do not forget to become a patron of the show on patreon.com forward slash last man on earth. Thanks to all our new patrons. Uh, hopefully we don't get deplatformed this week. I think people just go on platforms now to be deplatformed. It's like a badge of it's like a badge of honor to be deplatformed. Yeah. It's like going to the principal's office when you're in school. It's kind of the cool kids get to do it. 
uh, cool kids at neo Nazis, I guess. Yeah, not really. It's <laughs> not like it used to be like the protest thing. Like <laughs> now, to <laughs> to be a rebel, you have to be a, a neo Nazi. Yeah, that helps. I think. Uh, do not forget to become a patron of the show on Patreon.com. Thanks to all our new patrons. Get on the ship before it disappears. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Man Podcast or Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on to the show. Matt, I know you are a huge uh, Pete Davidson fan, and you concer- you're concerned about him 24-7, his welfare, uh, since he got the, what is it, pink hair now, blue hair, what the fuck, he's sporting the neck tattoos, the troubled, the troubled nature of it, the fact he won't eat for weeks on end. He's like, he's on the show, but he's like the, he's like a, a personality, like a real life personality on the show. Yes. Where, whereas the whole, kind of the point of the show is that you do characters. Yeah, it'd also be like a weird. Kardashian being like on the show. Like a spot, like a cameo. He does cameos. Yeah, he's as like, himself. I'm the troubled guy that dated the famous chick. He it, does cameos as himself. Isn't it sad that everyone, like, even if you're a super, a, a group of smart, talented people, and one guy is fucking a singer who's not even that great, and everyone like loses their mind and and like has to be associated <laughs> with it, and like write every skit about how you have an ex girlfriend who's like a famous tween. Like <laughs> it's pathetic. The society is fucking pathetic at it this is, point. It is very. Uh, it is very. A uh, social bubble, I think, is uh, attributed to the social bubble. These people are all in the same social bubble online, mm-hmm. and so all they talk about is these 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 like him dating Ariana Grande. And it becomes like par- a huge part of their lives, like this, the gossip circle, the social circle. Yeah. The writers, the actors, the creatives, the executives are all in these social circles. And so for them, Pete Davidson dating Ariana Grande, even though they're like 40, 40 year old guys, is like a huge, it's like a huge part of their daily communication life. I guess, but I thought SNL, like when I think of SNL, it's supposed to be so hip and I, it's you're too cool for school. You yes. know, like I can't imagine Norm <laughs> MacDonald and, no. and Dan Aykroyd like fawning over a guy that dated no. a, a, a teeny bopper. No, Norm it's Mac- kind Nor- of lame. Norm MacDonald would have called him a child rapist <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We don't have the cool guys anymore. But so uh, Pete Davidson last over the weekend, I guess it was he just Instagrammed out the fact that he wants to leave the earth. He's leaving the planet, which always sounds ominous when some guy who's deeply troubled and has a a drug history and uh, neck tattoos and, and bad hair and a recent breakup starts talking about that. And I guess he was at work when he, when he did this. I think he was at 30 Rock. At 30 Rock. Like, just on one one problem we have with this world is everyone's on like Instagram or Twitter, like from wherever they are. So they're actually like, you don't know where they are. It sounds like he's like in Montana, like up in a hillside, reclusive, you know, for six months. But he's actually just at the office, like having a soda with his buddies. Dude, the weird thing is, I almost guarantee it went down like this. He's at the office, you know, they have their little cubbies and right. everyone's in kind of communal space and everyone's on Instagram on their phones and shit probably sees him writing this, looks across the floor, shrugs, continues what they're doing. <laughs> yes. But like in the, in the in the meantime, the police are rushing to his <laughs> yes. aid. In this office full of people that have already experienced it in real time, it's really. It's I picture kind of like tripped out. Isn't I picture it? like this, like Pete, uh, like the uh, like Instagram reaction to Pete uh, D- uh, Davidson typing something that sounded suicidal, 
goes to like various celebrities and various people in New York. And then he goes to like de Blasio's office. <laughs> like de Blasio's online is like his lesbian wife is in the other room with her girlfriend. And de Blasio's like on Instagram. And he like he calls the chief of chief of detectives with the police commissioner says, Davidson looks like he might be killing himself. <laughs> rush, the, rush the emergency units and the, uh, you know, the, the top the top people we have in our department over the, to SNL and see what's going on. And so the bigger question, I think that's all obviously idiotic. Um, although I th- I do I think I did predict he was going to kill himself before he was thirty. Well, how to so that whole that whole not, not probably not intentionally, but I see a drug overdose in his future. But quickly, so I've been very depressed before, not to the point of wanting to kill myself. I think if I did want to kill myself, I wouldn't post it on Instagram for a variety of reasons. Correct. Not if you're um, really serious about it. But I've been depressed enough that I don't show up to where I'm supposed to be. So why is he at work doing this? Uh, to do his cam- to do you know you know what his job on the show was, he introduced Miley Cyrus. Yeah, he came out as a cameo as a <laughs> cast member. Yes, but I and the host is supposed to introduce the, the musical guy. He came out to do just so they could ha- show Pete. Dav- I guess to show Proof of Life had <laughs> Pete Davidson come but out. But he's not. Why are we acting like he's a uh, uh, fucking? Michael Jackson all yes. of a sudden or <laughs> yes. JD Salinger or whatever. <laughs> like he's huge cameo, secret cameo. <laughs> does anyone care? Like No. No. <laughs> and you and, and that that's what I think these these bubbles, these social media bubbles, social bubbles have created, which is like a different level of fame within a smaller set, a, a subset of people who run the media. Mm-hmm. So what like, you know, what people at NBC uh, SNL or even NBC News or stuff, the people who make all the creative decisions are all in a very tight bubble of small group of people, and they have a very warped sense, I think, of like what anybody outside of New York or Los Angeles is thinking. So they're thinking guys at the GM plant are standing around like, Talk oh about man, Pete I wonder if Pete Davidson's going to be okay. Yeah, oh, awesome, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson came out to introduce Miley, Cy- Miley Cyrus. <laughs> all this. Uh, but here's the bigger question, Matt. Uh, should the police really be responding in force to uh, Instagram, uh, depressing thoughts on Instagram from... From from celebrities, celebrities. No, or I'm they, shocked. <laughs> yes, did someone call them? I don't understand. It, they were somebody, how they mobilized. I, again, I think it's De Blasio. His wife is going down on his, his girlfriend. I don't understand. It's just like it's, it goes around Instagram, and all of a sudden, like I'm worried about Pete Davidson. Then, like a big, like who knows, John Legend or some big celebrity, bigger follower person says like someone needs to look into this and then someone contacts the police and they get you know 5000 phone calls from girls who are Ariana Grande fans worried about him I don't know and they rush over there like it's like uh you know there's a nuclear attack from China Yeah like the something. bat signal yeah. it's it's funny to me cuz I like I said I I really think people were looking at him yes after having read his Instagram post in his own place of work and were like I'm sure half of them were like, what a fucking drama queen. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they also work around. I was just reading um, uh, uh, again about the death of Mitch Hedberg. Mm-hmm. And it was like he gave like a million warning <laughs> warning signs before he OD'd. Yeah. That he was going to OD. Like literally by saying, I'm taking drugs. But, you know, not enough to kill me. But if I do die, at least I'm famous enough now that like people were. Well, he had a, a gangrenous foot. I mean, Ugh, there's yeah. there's no... Honestly, there's no bigger warning sign yeah, than, yeah. than that. That's pretty bad. But he was on Howard Stern multiple times before he died. And basically, sounded like a guy who was about to die. Um, but I think people in, in comedy world understand that like there are certain people who are going to die. 
And then there's just drama queens. Mm-hmm. And Pete Davidson strikes people as a drama queen, and they're probably around him all the time. And so he probably says shit like that all the time. Right. And they don't believe him anymore, but the police, the police did. I just, the only part of the Bosby is the police just arriving in mass and like running up. I can see SWAT like running up the stairs. Like, <laughs> I mean, surely they don't do this kind of uh, this kind of thing to every every uh, ominous emo Facebook no. post. No, I mean, if you threaten to blow shit up, they would. And if then if they if but like once they show up, by the way, I I don't know how it works exactly, but they do a welfare check, which I think is, are you going to kill yourself? It's like actually, I don't know I if there's like a poetic license <laughs> if you can argue kind of like. I think it's uh, checked to see if he was alive. And they're like, okay. And he's like, look, I got to go introduce Miley Cyrus. They're like, okay, thanks. Guys. There's like 30 cops like shuffle out. And they, they probably got photos and autographs and stuff like that. It's just, it's so utterly ridiculous because he's not an important figure. So, and he's just like a 12-year-old girl writing sad poems online. <laughs> they rushed to him. Well, isn't it next time they're going to be like, dude, if you do this again, we're going to throw you in the psych ward and really, you know... P- just ignore I, I think you're allowed to write sad shit online i mean that, again that's every 12 year old girl online on social media writes sad poem poetry i think he's needed like just if he's going to kill himself he's going to kill himself there's nothing going to stop him from doing that they can't force him into a program he's still working on tell he's still working well, on they can there. uh they can throw you in the in the psych ward though uh, if I they, don't know that that would help anyone no nah, they can put you in for 48 hours but he doesn't seem to be psychotic he just seems to be sad. So, and he's not hurting anybody. He hasn't done anything violent or done, he's, I don't. Are they going to kick him off the show? Because I'm tired of it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think so. He can't even portray any characters. He, he can't, can't even do himself. No, he can't do himself. He's doing himself on Weekend Update. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he, I think he's putting it out, but he's, he's very jittery and uncomfortable in his own skin. He's telling a joke and then and then sort of like he can't get through his own joke like he's cracking himself up yeah. like it looks like a, uh, a hitman in a <laughs> yes. p- porno. It's like th- it's, it's like he's, when be- he's behaving like like a twelve year old. Yeah, like it's some sort of serious Arrested Development. That I believe. I can't tell if it's a shtick or not. I think that's why you would and love his girlfriend. Looks twelve. It's yeah. all very. Well, weird. they broke up, Matt. Don't you know? So Ex-girlfriend. this could have been the chance since her uh, uh, Mac Miller, her last boyfriend, uh, died in May of drug overdose. I was thinking this could have been the first uh, girl to have two celebrity boyfriends die from drug overdose within the same calendar year. Mm. I'm not sure that's been done before, but that would have been awesome. So, no offense to Pete Davidson, but just stats wise, yeah, I she mean, really knows. She really knows how to pick. She really knows how to pick them. Yeah, she's obviously. That means got you have a problem. That's if if more than one of your ex uh, girlfriends becomes a lesbian. Like you got to <laughs> see someone and get, hey. get yourself checked out. My high school girlfriend became a lesbian. <laughs> 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 I try. I try not to take it personally. She told me not to. <laughs> Now, let's go back to Angela Pont. She was the first uh, uh, trans Miss Universe. I want to get more into the uh, uh, tuck and fold. Mm-hmm. So here's what here's what she said. So she's Miss Spain. By the way, she's, uh, I would say, I, I know you always try to disagree with me on this, from definitely from more than, from, with my eyesight, more than 10 feet away, she looks like an attractive woman. She looks more like a woman than most most any transsexual. Yeah, she's got uh, a very slender waist, uh, uh, slender legs, uh massive fake fake breasts which probably helps a lot in terms of creating a female figure i mean she can wear a bikini and look like a woman she might i wonder if she had her ribs removed some ribs removed some shit like i got a flat stomach kind of got the male p- 
pelvic bone. Yeah, that's it's hard to get rid one of. One of those things you can't do much. Can't about. shave that. Probably shaved her Adam's apple, some other shit. And I, I probably was born with f- feminine features. I, I haven't seen pictures of her when she used to be a man. Oh, uh, she looked like Mr. T. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm assuming she was a feminine featured man to begin with. Yeah. Those usually are the ones that transition the best versus like. Uh, uh, Bruce Jenner was taking female hormones since he was like 25. So it's hard to say exactly. He always looked kind of a girlish. Uh, even when he was like younger, he looked girlish because mm-hmm. he started those female hormones really early. He was taking them in the eight back, like five years after the Olympics, he started taking female hormones because he knew he wanted to be a lady. So she's Miss Spain. I'm sure Spain felt very proud that they nominated the first transgender Miss Universe. But her big quote was uh, to the fact she, uh, to the fact that gender is all in your head. She said uh, a woman can be black or white which is, seems to be a straw man argument because yeah. I don't think it, even the most virulent racist won't say that a black female is not a female. So when someone says something really p- painfully obvious yeah. and, they're, and they're being somewhat condescending about it or, or placating, you know something really stupid's about to follow that. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? The next one was the stupid part where she said, a woman can have a penis or a vagina. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> that's a little bit more controversial than the first part. She said it was... She said it's all gender is all in the brain, uh, which actually is somewhat factually correct because it really is partly in the brain, genetically speaking. Uh, but I think what she meant was you can imagine your own gender. <laughs> well, this is the they're going to say it's the difference between sex and gender. So sex is your biological parts. Gender is your identity, how you relate to your genitalia, basically. Well, she's saying gender is a completely she didn't say the social construct. She said it's completely how you see yourself. That if you see yourself as a, if you f- if you feel like a woman or see yourself as a woman, you're a woman, regardless of whether or not you got a, a 12 inch hog well, hanging then off, hanging off your Why legs. get the breast implants? Why dedicate your life to looking more feminine when in fact it doesn't matter, according to you? Yes. And by the way, the name of the competition is Miss, aka Single Woman, Miss un- Unmarried. Uh, single woman Miss Universe. That a ban only only seven I think seven years ago there was a ban on transgender in the Miss Universe contest. You know you know Trump wouldn't allow that shit. Uh, but since then they've relaxed the rules to allow transgender women in. And uh, this is the same. We talked about this with uh, uh, my favorite uh, lady, lovely lady Hannah Mouncey last week, <laughs> where the women are now dominating uh, dominating sports. Right, right. So now you have uh, uh, this issue is like I don't think you and I give a shit if a transgender. If a, if a if a dude who becomes a woman and just has to tuck his dick into his bikini, <laughs> and by the way, that's got to be pretty painful, I imagine, to wear a a, 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 a tiny bikini bottom and hide your dick somehow. I obviously don't care, but if if I were in the business of caring, I don't think I would like it because the whole point. If you're a female contestant, you wouldn't like it. If I was just anyone that watched the show, I wouldn't like it. Well, presumably you would feel good about the fact of how progressive you were. They didn't let her win, obviously. They didn't want to make it. They didn't want to make it big enough that she won. They gave the. They were never going to let her win. I, it was my understanding, because that would have been too big a story. Well, then next year it's all dudes. Yes. <laughs> well, that was the that was the issue, which is someone said like, well, what? How do the women feel? Just like in, with Hannah Mountie in sports, that now you have a you know these are purviews of as stupid as Miss Universe is, these are purviews specifically designated for women. And now you have a dude who, who in his brain uh, feels like a woman and got fake breasts and dresses like a woman and looks womanly, but it clearly was a man for, for a good part of his life, be taking over and winning awards, winning Miss Spain. 
uh, knocking off women who were born women to becoming the stupid Miss Universe thing, which is something we've always designated just for women. Yeah. Well, according to her and according to most, mm, you know, according to the sort of left left leaning people, there's no there's no difference. So she is a woman. But, uh, you know, we all at the same time recognize that there's a, a serious difference and that that's not true. So we wouldn't. I mean, I don't think we I don't think you and I as guys care if sports are corrupted by by Hannah Mounties or if Lola Ponce's start taking over the <laughs> Miss Universe pageant. But I think the women would, I would think the women would be really concerned about this trend that they have like these spaces, these spaces, contests and organizations and everything else. Remember, remember uh, uh, Rachel Dolezal? Of course you remember her. Uh, she identified, she said the same thing about race. She said it was all in your head and she thought of herself as a black woman. Yeah, and black women and black people came out and said, "No, I got super fucking it's pissed. way different." <laughs> yes, but it's actually not. It, it's it's really not different. Well, it's not different in the sense that she could still probably run the NAACP chapter just fine. But I think they were offended by the fact that she said it's race is in your head, um, because that is actually an immutable characteristic, such as gender is an immutable characteristic. Well, gender it's even more egregious with gender though because. You know, race is more or less a construct. I mean, yeah, you could say, you know, this person has more African DNA, but in reality, you can tell a black person from an Asian person from a, sure. a Latin person, et cetera. Um, but it, it's a, there's more room for leeway. With gender, it's this person has a dick and this person has a vagina. And grew up as a boy. This yeah. person grew up as a boy. So, like, I think the Dolezal thing was like, you don't know what it's like. The black experience in America is one of oppression and victimization and racism. And since you didn't grow up white, I mean, since you didn't grow up black and you're white, it doesn't matter if you say you're black. You never experienced the shit that we experienced. Yeah. So because you literally you were a blonde woman, <laughs> blonde haired, curly headed woman until you were 20 or whatever it was. So you didn't grow up the same way we grew up. So it's not just that the color of your skin is not is your line about that. You're lying about the experience you had. And I would think the same way with whether it be Hannah Mouncey or Angela Ponce, which is. You weren't like, you know, whatever happens to girls at seven or eight or nine or 12 or 14, you didn't experience any of that. So you're not, you can say you're a woman now and it's just, you know, you have fake tits like the rest of us and you look good in a bikini like the rest of us, but you didn't come up as a woman. So you didn't experience the same things we did for Miss Universe is kind of silly argument. Yeah. But you know, maybe you didn't have to be fondled in pageants, <laughs> you know, as a child to get to where you are, have to be 14 and, and go to parties with the, uh, uh, uh movie directors to get your breaks or things like that. There's certainly things that boys don't have to go through. The girls might have to go through. Yeah. So that I can see the perspective. And, and then it's just like saying, you know, I don't think we feel like men are going to take over beauty contests, but it seems unfair that you could surgically change yourself that dramatically and then win a beauty contest. I think the central premise of it is totally bogus. So if it's a construct, a, why do you have to change yourself? If you just, if you truly believe that right now I just I, I just became a woman. I decided that right now sitting here. Okay, if I really believe that, why do I have to go to when when you're talking and at the same time they say it's a construct. So now I have to go embrace those constructs in the most egregious way possible yes. by getting huge tits and getting all this cosmetic work. Like I believe I'm a man, but I'm not w walking in here with a cowboy hat, lifting <laughs> weights, uh, you know, with a pack of wolves behind me. I didn't roll up here in a monster. That'd be a good look for you. That'd be a good look for you, by the way. Fucking big wheel, you know, monster <laughs> truck. Like, you know, you don't have to do that if you really believe it. And and we all know that they don't believe it. And 
very few people do if they're honest about it. Well, I remember uh, the Arquette uh, brother who said that he would change his identity on the hour. Yeah. And you had to ask, you had to check in with him to see what his pronouns would be or whether that day he was a man or a woman. Yeah. And, and it was on you, it was on you to, it was on you to then treat him thusly. Yeah. People abuse, people abuse anything yes. if they think they can get a leg up. And I mean, Ponce, uh, you know, there's a prize. She's getting, she's getting a lot more attention than she would any other way Correct. based on what she has to offer the world, I'm assuming. As a, as a, well, yeah, a man in a bikini with a hairy chest and a dick, <laughs> dick is going to get you. Although I'm uh, probably in you porn, you do you do pretty well. It is uh, you know who the, you know who looks good out of this? Rain Dove, your 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 good friend Rain Dove, <laughs> because Rain Dove I think is following more along the lines of what you're saying, which is she is saying it's, it's a social construct, but she's saying I'm not going to be I'm going to dress like a man or I'm going to dress like a woman, depending on how I feel, because this is more of a feel thing. Yeah. And I'm not going to get surgery or try to p- say I'm a man or say I'm a, you know say I'm a man. I'm just going to dress like a man and, and walk like a man and and you know feel like a man if I want to. But I'm not going to like insist that I'm a man. No, outside of the pathological lying and multiple false publicity stunts <laughs> yes. in which uh, she herself is is uh, idolized as a, as a hero towards humanity. If you disregard all that, you know she actually. Just in terms of like the the fashion and dressing and identity, this is pretty hard to argue with. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem if she wants to dress like a man and act like a man, and by the way, have a manly sort of unattractive female body <laughs> and strip down to her underwear. She's clearly not a vain person because well, uh, she has big tits. Yeah, but she the, the one I saw where she strips down to her underwear, she's clearly not trying to look good. Right. So she's not vain. She's not like Lola Ponce in Miss Universe. She's not trying to look like a, a hot lady. She's clearly like. Into this gender fashion thing, but she's not trying to look like a sexy. She's not trying to look sexy. She's trying to look like what lesbians think is hot. Y- yes, I think yes. Or, or in terms of a realistic lesbian next door type of look. Yes, I want to go back to transvestites. I miss transvestites. I miss when it was just just your like your gym teacher dressing up like a woman on the weekends to go to try and pass at a bad at a bad movie house. Those are simpler times. <laughs> Those were. I was like. Oh, your gym t- you knew your gym teacher was a dude. He just liked to wear a dress and, and get felt up by other dudes at a, at a movie house <laughs> somewhere like on Saturday nights. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Back to Monday morning, he's got the whistle and the gym shorts and he's yelling at the kids. It was much, much easier back then. <laughs> Matt, I know you've been to, what, seven Taylor Swift concerts now? <laughs> okay, uh a friend of mine went with his with his wife. And oh, I, oh and I thought I, they could say daughter. He I his don't wife? know That's why. bizarre. That's bizarre. I don't know why he went. And I, I kind of don't trust him as much. She, I just heard numbers came in again for this year, Taylor Swift. It's just ridiculous how popular she is and how much money she makes. She is, uh, I mean, Beyonce is the only one who comes close to her. And she makes like $50 million a year. And her tours and her just numbers, off the live shows, every live shows, the sales and the mer- everything else. She her numbers are just like the numbers of out of downloads she has, digital streams. It's just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's in the hundreds of millions, hundreds of billions, and even she makes a penny off each. Which is, so she makes she's a one of the she's a one person that makes money off like Spotify and Pandora, where she gets bank off that stuff. Right. Like, it's not many artists making like twenty million dollars from Pandora. Yeah, you have to get like a. I think you have to get a million streams to make a thousand. I or think. Yeah, something there. like that. I but think yeah, she's I got mean, like two billion down. I mean, it's, she is legitimately a huge worldwide phenomenon, and I don't make fun of her because as much as I don't like her music and she seems annoying like a twit, 
I imagine if I were, I'm not sure about your friend's wife. I imagine if I were a 12 year old girl, I'd probably like her music enough. She'd probably be like a little hero to me. I mean, I like dumbass sports guys when I was 12. Right. You know, I thought Joe Montana was like, uh, I wish he was my dad. So <laughs> <laughs> since then, I've seen him interviewed many times and I'm like, eh, no, he really, I could done with that. Skechers commercials yes. really yes. shot yeah. that one down. Yeah, but when you're 12, you idolize stupid shit. And I, I, I love Montana. I loved Ozzy. I thought Ozzy was awesome. Uh, so Ozzy's still pretty awesome. Yeah, kind of. But that was before I knew about drugs and uh, all the Sharon and all the other crap. And yeah, stupid actually, kids I'm going to uh, disavow what I just said. <laughs> yes. But when he was just in Black Sabbath and playing shit, it was it was awesome. So I, I, I'm not going to make fun of I'm going to make fun of your friend's wife, because I think if you're over like 15, it seems unusual to be a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, my friend, I, speaking of uh, suicidal Instagrams or messages, I got one from my friend uh, back east. who had to take his daughter to a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> And he was just texting everyone he knows saying, I'm killing myself halfway through this. I'm not coming home. You're never going to see me again. <laughs> like, this is the most painful thing I've ever experienced. I just had to see the Eagles with my mom. Oh. And as bad as that was, I don't think it, it would come close. No. Well, it, uh, it Plus is. Plus, my mom, I can leave alone without fear of her being molested or raped. So yes. I kind of did some laps and drank some beers. I think being in a crowd of like 20,000 other little girls with their dads or moms. Would just be in, in just be insanity. I would just find the nearest dad and be like, "You're responsible for this. <laughs> you I'm going to be at the bar." <laughs> yeah, there is no bar at Taylor Swift <laughs> concerts. Uh, so Taylor Swift turns out Rolling Stone actually once a month still does a, a reasonable article for some reason, uh, some investigative article. They have Matt Tabibi or someone else come in and actually do a real article. In between. They got bought by um, uh, the p- company that owns Women's Wear Daily and and uh, Variety, so they do mostly like Kardashian stories now and and stupid Justin Bieber stories. Uh, but they did a story on Taylor Swift. They uncovered on Taylor Swift at her concert, the Rose Bowl, uh, over the summer, which I assume has about 50,000 people at it. She used facial, secretly used facial recognition software to actually check the faces of every single person in the crowd. Ostensibly, they said, to look for stalk. She has many stalkers, obviously, uh, to look for faces of stalkers so they could alert the authorities and or ramp up security. So they had a movie play, like a little short movie play on the screen at the Rose Bowl. So everyone's, everybody's face was turned in the same direction towards the screen. Mm. And then they had cameras pointed back out the audience that had facial recognition software. And I don't know how advanced this shit is, but I assume it's super way more advanced than we possibly understand. Because I know Amazon's doing it, other companies are doing it, and spending billions on the research. Mm-hmm. And I assume Peter Thiel and his, and his uh, gay crazy billionaire shit is like facial recognizing everybody in this, in this world at this point. And they sent the information back to across the country to the supercomputer center and basically digi- got information on every single person at the show. Again, saying they're looking for three or four potential stalkers who come to her shows and might be dangerous. Which sounds like maybe a ruse as opposed to them wanting to collect a shitload of data for uh, reasons unknown. Yeah, well, security, I think, is always the ruse, right? Safety and security is always the ruse for capturing, like, yeah. patri- for patriot acting people. Right. It's always like, First of all, how much danger could Taylor Swift, they have metal detectors, how much danger could she be in by like a, a, a crazed 19-year-old college kid who has a hard-on for her at a concert where she has, I don't know, 80 Mossad agents like <laughs> circled around her? Yeah, if you've been to a concert recently, it's not like it used to be. There's only a, a fucking wall, a, a cadre of, you know, giant fat guys that will tackle anyone that oh yeah comes anywhere near and she has state. private she has high-end private security i read about i mean these are serious people like ex-military 
She she is better as as well protected as the president of the United States. So how are how are you thinking this went down? Based on what you're describing, Taylor Swift was sitting in a green room at a show somewhere and was like, "I'm uh, a little bit concerned about stalkers. Uh, what should I do?" And then that's her and by the way, I, 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 that's a legitimate concern because there are creepy guys out there who want to like, you know, smell her underpants and and and, and, and you know have sex with her forcibly or whatever else. Okay, but was she like? Well, I was reading an article <laughs> and. There is one way to do this. Um, we'll we'll show a short film uh, as a as a ruse to get everyone looking at the same point. Then we'll capture all their images, do some scans, and then hopefully, you know, at that point we can boot the stalkers out. I'd like to know if they found any stalkers yes. while doing this because uh, I, I don't know if that was in the article. I haven't read it. Um, or if Live Nation uh, and whoever you know is involved with the promotion of, of Taylor Swift's. Um, events which is a huge you know conglomeration Massive. Of, of you know the venues etc cetera, etc cetera, if they share some kind of stock in this facial scanning system yes which, uh, i'm going for a lot i'm going for the good will eventually be implemented in every major venue in the country it's already there's a startup um i can't remember what it's called but it's for people who don't want to deal with the hassle of shows of, of live venues that's how they're marketing it so it's like yeah all you do is you know you give your fingerprints uh scan your iris and then there's like a special line like at yes. the like at the tsa where you walk in and i'm like no because uh, it takes about you know two minutes to walk into the staples center without providing my dna if you, <laughs> if you do I mean, that you're out of your fucking mind i mean the, the future uh, you can, did you read the story about facebook providing information to netflix and uh, spotify yeah. and stuff it's scary i mean so now uh, facebook knows everything you do online and google between Google and Facebook, they know everything you're doing online. And from that, they can extrapolate basically 99% who you are, what you do, where you shop, I what kind of person any, you are. I haven't got any ads for like uh, facial compilations yet, though. Really? Yeah, it's because that's about 90% of what I'm uh, browsing on. That in the New York Times. They, uh, I, I would notice when I went to like Expedia to book a trip, uh, like the minute I got back on Facebook, there was an ad from Expedia telling me that they had a new another deal for me. Yeah. Um, if you're on Netflix, they tell you like, Oh, I since you like this show, you might like this show. It's on Facebook or Google targets you with the Google ads. Yeah, they're really getting in there with it. And I have all the blockers on. And, yeah, and you they can't still, get around it. They still get around it. And I, like I was just, I Googled something on my phone and um, uh, while I was not at home. And then I went home and it, and under my search history on Google, it had the same thing on my desktop computer. Uh, there's just new stuff like that happening. It's every day. It's so hard to even keep up with. And they want to do uh, facial recognition is the new thing. So Amazon's working on facial recognition software. Google is. All the companies are doing that because that's the new. The biometrics is, is the new marketing s data sale of the future, mm -hmm. of now and the future. So I believe it's the latter case of what you mentioned, which is that uh, Live Nation or the label or Taylor Swift Enterprises is working with a company to enhance their, their, their you know, their, under the guise of security, it's always under, everything is under every data collection is under the guise of security. Always facial recognition software, and they're probably getting kickbacks from the company, or they own a piece of the company, and they're using these huge venues to test out their software, to test out their. Which, test, and their no tests. one's signed a, no one's getting compensated for being this test subject. No one uh, consented to it. I don't even no. think on the ticket uh, there's a, a whole thing of liability, but I don't think it, it says on the back we're going to collect. Your your data Fac your your likeness yes and no they they always tell you that you might get uh, uh you might get picked up on cameras or you you know you waive your right to any sort of compensation for being caught in the audience or they film the concerts 
all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there was no like we're gonna send you back to uh, the Peter Thiel Evil Corporation facial recognition software company and have your face now on file as a Taylor Swift fan, potentially your name and address, everything else, your buying, your shopping habits. It's all collected for that. And now they can put a face to it, which means when you walk into the mall, they'll be able to say you, your phone will pop up with an ad saying like, "Oh, Taylor Swift." Tees are on sale at Forever Twenty Forever Twenty One. How did this come out? Did they did, like no was, admit to this? No, or? Rolling Stone uh, somehow got uh, you know did an actual real story, investigative story, and found out about this. So it was never it was never disclosed. It was all kept entirely secret. Um, well, it should be stopped. And if I was at that show, and I'm sure they're doing <laughs> this at shows you know all, all the time, but. Uh, or or maybe not. Maybe Taylor Swift, in in terms of her reputation as this sort of uh, lab created, you know, potential Nazi type of child of stock, t- child of stockbrokers. Yeah, like maybe the, they're, you know, she's part of the whole plan. To she's she's got it in the infancy, but I would sue them if I was at her show. I would sue. I would get a class action lawsuit going right now because I love class action lawsuits. Yes, and I'd wait to get my dollar twenty seven back three three years three years from now. Or an autograph. Everyone gets an autograph Taylor Swift CD or something like <laughs> something like that. It's scary. I mean, this is it's not just her. It's not just this company. This is happening all over the place, and it's scary. I think they're going to be using the you know the camera, the computer cameras, and looking at people. And it's like it's sort of like what you think like a serial killer or a crazy uh, evil uh, conspirator is doing. But now it's just big corporations, right. and they're collecting this data. And at some point, I mentioned Teal twice already. His company is actually trying to collect marketing data, individual data on every single person in the world. And this is sort of how you do it. You start at Taylor Swift concerts with 50,000 people, known participants of a Taylor Swift concert with their general location and their faces and so forth. Now you start building a biometric database of everybody in the world. Has Thiel scanned himself in so he can get targeted with like the gayest ass possible? (laughs) Bohemian Rhapsody is still on. (laughs) Assless chat party. Taking place, there's a there's a Strap guy. Strap on dildos, fifty percent off. There's five big black cocks in your area <laughs> that are waiting to wait to meet you. Uh, I imagine he's excluded himself. From I would thing. imagine so. But that's, I mean, that's data collection. And by the way, nobody, absolutely nobody in D.C. and Congress seems to give a shit about this. There's just no civil. There's just no data privacy. Civil libertarians left anymore. Like they're all either paid off or just pro business or. Whatever else it is, either side of the aisle, there's just nobody who really gives a damn that these massive companies are collecting data on every single but person. But this used to be the Republican ballpark. This used to be their domain was privacy. And well, um, I think but I think there were civil libertarians on both sides. I mean, I you know once the Patriot Act passed ninety eight to zero, it was kind of like okay, this is like we're in a, we're in a, we're in a new uh, not brave new world now. There's like ev- you know there are no civil libertarians left anymore. Either they don't get either they're pro big business. Or they've been paid, you know, by lobbyists to support Amazon or Google or Facebook, or they just don't give a shit anymore because it's too big a fight and they could lose their seat, or they just don't care anymore. I mean, literally, they don't care anymore that someone's stealing your data. They don't care the government's doing it, that the NSA is doing it, is collecting stuff, and the FBI is collecting stuff. So why should they care if Amazon and Google and Facebook are doing it? It's freaking scaring the shit out of me. Yet they're real mad about uh, about uh, Trump's lawyers. Uh, office getting searched with a legal warrant. I yes. guess that's where you really draw the line. Yes. Can't have these uh, warrants or pain, being executed. Or pain is pain is hookers. <laughs> pain is hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I know you are one of the 17 people in this country who watches the show Smilf <laughs> on Showtime. 
<laughs> it took me a while to figure out what GILF was, by the way. Grandma? Yeah, like yeah, fuck? yes. Uh, there was a, uh, um, I think someone pitched a TV show or a movie like 10 years ago called GILF. It's too weird. I remember the time what it was, but now I also Who realize. Who does that appeal to, by the way? Uh, it, well, it's a, it's a porn <laughs> category, obviously. And oh. uh, old, old, lady, old ladies, uh, horny old ladies. <laughs> I like but in terms of a theater audience, that thoroughly grosses out men and women. Yeah, I think. I think nowadays you could probably ten years ago you couldn't sell Gilf. I think now you probably could sell it based on the fact that it'd be an older woman like a J Lo, Susan Sarandon with like a twenty something guy. Yeah. It'd be a, it'd be called Gilf and it'd be very empowering for older women having sex, whatever. Um, I just saw there was some lady. I got pushed a book this morning. It's like a, a New York Times bestseller. This, I think about dating in your fifties and sixties. These are all like very empowering. <laughs> for women so smilf obviously is uh, uh well not obviously it's single mothers i'd like to fuck and this uh the, the new avant-garde feminist uh frankie shaw who as far as i can tell is just a skinny version of lena dunham skinny less medically medically uh, troubled <laughs> version of lena she's 32 she's been she's been big in new york and la feminist circles as creating like shows for young you know young millennial age women and being you know just like girl just like girls was basically as far as i can tell um in your face she's not a lesbian but she's a she's a hardcore me too feminist i think she's married or has a boyfriend and I always wonder about those dudes like you really stuck it to him today sweetheart the way you said dicks are weapons of war and all men are rapists bravo bravo <laughs> like well there's a lot of guys with low self-esteem that yes. that really think uh you know they they're not going to get laid uh, ever again if they break up with this woman. You think so? I think that's what it is. Yeah, I do. I think they. Had, I, I think for sure they had strict mothers. They definitely have a mother complex. But to, to live with a woman romantically involved, a woman who literally thinks men are scum, it seems like a, a big stretch in terms of like a long term relationship. I had a girlfriend who was not a hardcore feminist, but you know, like fairly progressive. I mean, I'm progressive, but. So I, I had this toolbox and I had all these zip ties in it um, that I've, you know, I, of course you do, along with a bunch yes. of tools. So she said, why do you have these zip ties? Yeah. And I said, well, when I kill hookers, I zip tie them first. That's what I was thinking. And she said, that's not funny. And I said, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said, well, what are we doing here? Do you actually are you concerned that I have the zip ties? Or are you concerned that hookers are murdered by are murdered routinely? I don't think she was concerned about anything, no. but she she had Reflex. no problem Reflex. questioning me about the zip ties. And then when I made a joke that about, joke about what it. she was inferring what I would do with them, she said that's not funny. The only way this would be better is if I was actually killing the hookers, because then she'd look <laughs> even stupider. You are from the Northwest, uh, where most hookers are murdered <laughs> routinely by people with zip ties. There's not that many hookers in Alaska, I don't Se think. No, but Seattle for sure seems to be the Northwest... Uh, 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 State of Washington seems to be the Green River Killer. It seems to be the epicenter of like, like guys in big big coats like killing hookers. Like it is in the wilderness <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the in the wooded is. areas. So let's just keep that in mind, please. A cold case file. Uh, well, well, the thing about here's the thing I always thought like even men, even like these powerful men who see like dominatrixes, they get like you know cat cat and nine tailed and spanked and told they're scum and, and clean the floor. I imagine like. Maybe once a week, a couple times a month is all they can go in for that. Like, they wouldn't go out for that every day. They wouldn't live with that every day. Yeah, that's a special occasion. Yeah, like even like a, even like a secret submissive who just needs to be punished and told by a woman what a scumbag he is. He wouldn't want that all the time. He'd want that like maybe once a week. 
to center himself. Yeah. But to actually live with a woman like that, like where it's actually your wife or your or your girlfriend, would just be like I couldn't fathom. Even if you're a submissive type, I couldn't fathom that you could enjoy that experience in any way, like twenty four twenty four seven. I mean, I find it hard to be around for for like a five minute. I had a drink with a girl. I was like, uh, I'm I'm leaving. I said, uh, oh, my friends, you know, uh, she's this chick I know. It's actually woman. I got <laughs> wait. What are you talking about? Oh, fuck off! Like, <laughs> bye. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you would put up with that shit for. I can't imagine actually going as bad as my college experience was in terms of like uh, very progressive, independent, forthright feminist women. It's gotten so much worse since I went to college. I can't imagine. Like there was like a few of these annoying women around who did that. Now I imagine it's the majority of women. Yeah. And I just can't imagine what like a liberal arts college experience would be like anymore these days. Like where you literally were like scolded, constantly scolded for like, you know, I used to have porn on my wall at college. <laughs> and I remember it was like, I was always like, the reason I did it was like, I almost was just waiting to see if someone would say something. <laughs> and like seven months into the year, like a girl walked in and like, and she was nice. And she's like, she was like, look, I'm not, if, if this is what you like, I'm not offended. But like, you know, it may give the wrong impression. And that was like the worst I got. And I was like, right. nowadays you would be, if you put like a porn shot, like a Playboy centerfold shot on your wall at college, you would, I assume, be detained by authorities within half an hour and have protest marches outside and people calling you a rapist. Well, someone needs to tell these people, it's totally fine to be progressive and and to believe in equality and, and changing certain things. And I think if you did an opinion poll, probably the the majority of Americans would feel the same way about these issues. You don't have to act like a cunt. That's no. that's not part of the package. No. There, there used to be, uh, make, I, mean, I remember this from college too, there used to be like the feminists made an argument. They actually formed an argument of why certain male behavior was bad. They actually had a reason, and most of the time they were right, by the way. They had a reasoned behavior, a, a reasoned rational argument of why certain behavior from men was wrong. Like calling women bitches is wrong because of this, 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 and this reason. You know, it wasn't like a just completely irate, nonsensical, shut you down, burn you alive response. Yeah, they could make their point in, in class, uh, in a lecture, and then you would uh, all go out and have beers after. Yeah, you'd argue it. And she wouldn't be like approaching the DJ and saying she's having a trigger warning because of the <laughs> yes. song that he's playing is part of rape culture. And, y you know, at a certain point, uh, I just don't deal with it. I don't know how other people people handle it i couldn't go to, i don't think i could go i don't even have i don't even think with my kids going to college like and my kids aren't as bad as me in terms of being like taunting people but i can't imagine like what it'd be like with the fucking sex stuff and the female stuff and getting getting you know written consent and there's 37 words you're definitely not allowed to use another 300 words you're not supposed to use and dude i was no halloween costumes and all that other shit like who would want to pay to experience that this is amazing so I did this short film as a favor to my friend and his girlfriend is an actress. I'm putting that in quotes. Right. And, uh, I don't know anything about her. She's, uh, she's probably 23. She's young. She wants to be an actress, probably comes from a privileged background. So we're doing this scene and we're kind of improving and I'm playing a kind of abusive dickhead husband and she's, you Good know, by excellent casting by the way. Yes. I thought so. <laughs> uh, so, 
I'm just supposed to kind of improv some lines. So I'm like, hey, you know, you didn't make dinner. Uh, this is bullshit. You burned the chicken and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and she's she's a terrible actress. But anyway, so as I'm ad libbing at some point, I go, why don't you shut up and spread your legs? And she breaks the scene, looks at me <laughs> yes. and goes, you don't talk to me like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're retarded. Did you think it was in the, in the scene at the, at the time? No, it was painfully obvious <laughs> <laughs> that she... That she was just stopping. Like she couldn't handle it. Like the dialogue was too much. The dialogue of the actual scene was too much for her. She stopped the scene that they were filming with a big crew of people <laughs> and told me as a fictional character. Yes. I wasn't telling her, my, yes. my friend's girlfriend, to spread her legs. That would be totally inappropriate, as we all know. Um, you're calling yourself an actress, you fucking <laughs> dumb ass. Yes. Like, I, I couldn't believe it but i think that's what we're dealing with now like that uh, they, uh, but again that went back to i remember val kilmer the woman who said that val kilmer assaulted her on the set of the doors when he was playing a, a fucking wasted jim morrison <laughs> shoving the actress down to the floor yeah and he shoved her across the room there and this is during you know they're just doing rehearsals but he was in the care he was a method so he was a fucked up jim morrison and he's supposed to like be you know violent so he shoves her across the room and she claimed it was assault, assault like it's part of the scene. It's part of the scene, you know. This is not like an alleyway where he jumps you in the back. This is on set. Yeah, according <laughs> to that logic, we'll have to charge Ray Liotta with murder. <laughs> yes, because <for> good fellas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so stupid, man. I, what the fuck is wrong with people? So the show Smilf, single mothers, I, I'd like to fuck. Just called Smilf on Showtime, uh, is run by Frankie Shaw, and she got uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell and other people to play single single mothers, uh, who I guess are you know dealing with sexual situations in their thirties and forties. And it sounds like a horrible show that I don't know anybody who watches it. I would never want to watch. I never even really heard of it before, but I'm I'm positive it's the lowest rated show on Showtime. But they're actually entering their third season now, so it's just like Girls, where I didn't know for the first four seasons it existed, and then I went to investigate and said, "How could I not know about it?" And then found it was the lowest rated show by far on HBO. Yeah. But they kept renewing it year after year just to say they had it on the slate. Second to having a really successful show. The next best gig is having a show that no one knows about, <laughs> yes. but you're still getting checks. If it checks off the right boxes, which is feminist, you know, single single mother, feminist, uh, avant-garde, edgy show that like women in New York and L.A. might be watching or at least talking about in, in, in the trades or on social media. I mean, there's a way I could see making that show really funny. I haven't seen the show, so I, I don't know. There's probably a way to make. There's probably a way to make girls really funny. It just that's not the. <laughs> that's not the essence of these people <laughs> they're too angry to make funny con and it's like rosie o'donnell right in a way she was kind of funny but she became so angry that you're not it's hard to be that legitimately angry i, I don't know many guys do it better i'm not sure but like if you're legitimately that vehemently angry it's hard to be funny i don't know there's maybe there's a double standard there because george carlin for example and and uh, lewis black and Bill Hicks. Those guys, were, their whole thing was they were angry. But, but they were like angry at the man, right? Yeah, they weren't angry about their um, specific situation. Their parking spot. Or yeah, whatever. they weren't angry about like they didn't hate a certain person or their ex-boyfriend or right. the, the casting agent or something like that. They they were angry at like the institutions of government and, and corporations. Right. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell's angry at like men who did, didn't make her sandwich right at the store she's because they, she, she's a woman so they, they gave her no mayonnaise or whatever the fuck she wanted so so it turns out this show uh, uh hollywood reporter did an expose on the show and it turns out there's a massive and it's it's produced at abc disney abc studios but it's for showtime a massive number of complaints on set from people working on set of abuse and discrimination uh 
separating writers and creative people by by race and gender into separate rooms, uh, abusive nature of the sh- of, of Frankie Shaw and the producers, uh, Samara Weaving and actors on the show being asked to do nude sex scenes at the last minute when it's not in her contract and. When she refused to do it, Frankie Shaw, the, the, the female producer, lifting up her own shirt to show her like how, how stupid it was that she felt silly about being topless in, in front of other people. You know, all this shit. And what it reminded me of was you and I both know how fucking horrible Hollywood are, is, how horrible TV sets are, how, you know, there's some nice people on these sets, but by and large, stress level and the people that get into this, into this business are just absolutely horrible people to work with. And they all do like, drugs for a reason and chain smoke for a reason <laughs> which is like i remember my first time on a tv set and this is back when people smoked there was just a, a plethora of young women screaming their fucking heads off swearing holding clipboards and chain smoking i think that smoking it might be the one place in america you're still allowed to smoke i don't think you can smoke on maybe outdoors Out, outdoors anymore. yeah yeah but uh but it was just like it was like so much stress everybody was swearing at everybody on down the chain it looked like they were doing like nuclear fusion programs, the Manhattan Project, and they had to get it before the Russians did. Like there's so much pressure, just so much undue pressure. I, that's when I decided like I never want to work in production right. because you're making a sitcom and people are like, you've got 20 people swearing their fucking heads off and crying and yelling at people and actors are yelling at the, the, everyone, the directors, the producers are yelling at everybody. They're always behind on time. Everybody's screaming. It's like, like you ima- the hell you imagine and now, and with Smilf, you throw in the fact they've put all these f- femi- outspoken feminists in charge of the show to produce a show progressive for progressive women. And you think like, okay, an utopian thing, like, oh, women run the show now. It's going to be much kinder and gentler. Yeah. No, it's worse. They're <laughs> behaving worse than <laughs> worse. Any, any man. I mean, that's like the worst behavior. At, at the same time, guys are paranoid in the same position, you know, and producer roles about about saying the wrong thing or being overheard saying something or et cetera, et cetera. And you, you have this woman pulling her top up. Yes. And she's just running amok. And, and you're telling me that she's not privileged or that she's disadvantaged somehow. Give me a fucking. Well, break. so what you have is you have the worst of Hollywood sets. So you have the Harvey Weinstein of sets from 20 years ago when guys could do whatever the fuck they wanted. So you have like that whole, uh, you know, Brett Ratner horribleness. But now you have a category of people that can't be touched. So now you have a feminine, like an outspoken Me Too feminist running the show and Rosie O'Donnell and everything else. So they assume they're not going to be, t- they can just lift their tops up and sexually harass people on, on the set because they are untouchable. So now you have the worst of both worlds. Well, it appears they're right as well. I mean, is, yes, it, is well, there, exactly. are there any consequences? I know that the actress is mad, but. No, there are actually there's no con- there's no consequences. Uh, uh, they just they just greenlit. So this has just been documented. Season three. This woman's <laughs> behaving very poorly. And well, uh, they denied they denied that Disney den- ABC the studios denied it, and the people in charge denied. And Frankie Shaw's you know said, oh maybe I can try to be kinder and gentler, but they kind of poo pooed it. Uh, although there are there are being I think sued now by the both uh, SAG and, and, and WGA. Um, so she it's her big thing is intersectionality, Matt, as you may know. I'm going to get an intersectionality tattoo just to show that I belong in Hollywood. So her big thing was like uh, taunt, just like on these show one day at a time I talked about about a year ago, they're touting how many women of color they're hiring, how many minorities they're hiring. But what they did after they hired the women of color, the black creative staff is they put them all the black people in one room, (laughs) in one room to work. So like they broke the right, there's a writer's room, but then they broke it into separate working rooms, like where you're basically your permanent desk is. And they put all the black 
creative people in, in one Well, room. that is sort of, in a way, what intersectionality, it's it's all about categorizing people. I think there's six categories. Right. And they really believe in in recognizing these categories to a, to a rigid degree and then not recognizing them at the same time, uh, I guess, to break them down. It, uh, but the problem, I think, Matt, is that the black women actually were the ones who complained <laughs> that they were being safe. So, yes, I mean, the idea of, like, segregation, but this this time it's really good. Like, yeah. <laughs> this time we really know. We got segregation, yes, but this time it's really helpful to you. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I mean, the separate water fountains didn't used to work, but now we have them really. You have a nicer water fountain, so... The fact that you have the black water fountain is better than the white water fountain. I can't believe Showtime's condoning this. And, and what what kind of pisses me off is it's not about the product. So it's like Smilf. You either like that show or you don't. But what they're pitching is the, the behind the scenes. You know, this woman in real life produced the show. So now I'm supposed to be watching this show while thinking about, like, the casting process simultaneously as I'm watching it and thinking about, uh, you know, all, all the things that this stands for but but not on screen sort of like from an institutional level of what's been greenlit to be on tv and it's like sorry it's not entertainment that's no it's not that's not what it's supposed to be if you want to make a point sure you can do it uh in a show or in a movie in in any kind of art and it's been done since time memorial but for for you to almost be advertising the fact that we gave this woman a show and and that's half of the pitch instead of the pitch being the show. It's getting uh, it's getting a little convoluted. Getting and meta in a very very unentertaining way. Exactly. <laughs> like the worst. I don't. Have you have you seen? Do you watch the uh, Shameless on Showtime? I've seen it. So it used to be. I thought it was a great. One of the best shows on TV in the first few seasons. It's a great concept of like teenagers and even preteens just behaving horribly badly, like just you know the the griftiest family ever. So that even like the twelve year olds are fucking stealing shit and doing sort of horrible juvenile delinquent shit, mm. and it being funny and it's sad, it's sad because they have a you know, uh, no parents in the house and all this other stuff, but it's also extremely funny just just to watch nine year olds swear and fucking hold people up and <laughs> do yeah. shit like that is funny. But now in the last, I guess the show is winding down. They're having another season, but all the actors are leaving. They just started doing just random rants about political issues. So gender, like the girl, the girl in the show is having gender pay inequality issues at work and they have to discuss that. The gay son is being oppressed by the police for being gay and they literally spout like stats in their dialogue lines now. Like the girl talking about gender pay inequality. Like, why am I making 78% of what he's making? And, you know, this is so unfair and like trying to show and they try to kind of make it funny but it's just so on the nose. Mm -hmm. We could see like, okay, now the show is like in the seventh season or eighth season. We're just going to, as this staff of people, we're just going to spout our political beliefs in these characters to make a point and we're going to get high five again, the social bubble thing. We're going to be high five. Everyone's going to love us. I'm going to be the one who wrote the Emmy winning episode about gender pay inequality on a com on a comedy right. show. This is not a documentary. It's not even a hardcore serious drama on a funny show that is completely, fi that is completely fictionalized. We're going to spout all this shit. And I imagine that's what Smilf is. And that's why I'm taking it off my DB. That's it what reminds I'm me, I was here. thinking about, and I had forgot about this completely, but someone brought up Ellen recently, I think because their show's going off air. But remember when she had that really crappy, really cornball bullshit sitcom? And then yes. she came out in real life on the show. On the show, yes. And people were like crying? Yes. And I, I was pretty young at the time, but I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like this show, like it's shot on like these crappy multicams, <laughs> yes. but it's her real life. Like yes. the character's name is well, Ellen. it was like Seinfeld, but it was, like Seinfeld, She's but like it was Ellen. Gay. 
Yeah, then she announced that she's gay. And then everyone in the studio once got to applaud. The producers got to put the applause signs up really loudly for everybody. And I think it was leaked ahead of time, so they had the audience that would be very uh, pro-gay, like Ellen, fan, Ellen fans of Ellen, so that when she did it, they could just scream and holler in the back, you know, on, on the soundtrack. Yeah. So it was all faked. It was all faked up. Um, also, I don't know who didn't know that she was <laughs> that she was gay. That she was gay. Is that where all this started, though? Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. This is. I mean, it's just a horrible. I don't care if Showtime wants to or HBO want to do these like shows for 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 progressive female lesbian leading angry women. That's fine. Um, but I do like the fact that we now learn that they are just as horribly hateful as as any any horrible male TV producer or film producer on set. This idea that like you know just like when people say with the the presidency or anything else. What if a woman ran this thing? There would be no wars. There'd be no uh, anger. There'd be no hostility. Like if Hillary Clinton was president, we'd have any of these like horrible things going on. Like somehow the war in Afghanistan would end and all this compromise would occur. And like a woman would understand how to, how to be kinder and gentler and things like that. Whereas history has shown us that like some of the worst autocrats, autocrats and like horrible, sinister killers of this world have been, have been women. And there's yeah. no evidence to support. There's evidence to support that there are kindly women. There's no evidence to support that women who make it to the very top are anything but horrible, just horrible, evil people. <laughs> Matt, uh, I know you don't care about models other than to uh, see them on uh, magazines uh, being mostly naked in lingerie ads. But there's a new, uh, in the last five years, I'm not too sure if you were, all of the big modeling gigs, female chick hottie modeling gigs with all the big uh, brands have gone to TV celebrity model kids, the Jenner, Kardashian girls, the Baldwins, uh, Carly Kloss, who had to go down on Jared Kushner's brother. Jared Kushner's brother. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> She's mar- they got married, actually. Um, she was, by the way, Carly Kloss was great because she's, you know, she's an attractive blonde girl from Chicago. But she actually uh, went to New York, and she was a relative unknown. She did a couple of Victoria's Secret ads. She ma- became best friends with Taylor Swift and started going to her pajama parties, like becoming her like asexual best asexual friend who hated boys. Yeah, they had that. She had that weird click that was like a like an Instagram reality show yes. where we supposed that her and seven hot women there were no unattractive women allowed. No, uh, which is fine. Um, that they just like hung out with and watched movies with in their, their cats in their pajamas and documented it. Yes. What the fuck? So, but I give her credit because she was smart enough to get in that pack in New York and that got her into all the huge circles and all the stuff. And networking is obviously a big part of modeling. And then she got hooked up with Kushner. Uh, I, I don't know what Jared's brother's name is. Something with a J too, Jeffrey or something like that. Another Kushner boy. Um, to then put her then into even wealthier, higher end uh, aristocratic circles in, in New York. And now she's the fourth highest paid model in the world, which is pretty amazing. She made like $13 million modeling last year, which is incredible. The Jenners, I don't know how to say, made like $24 million, $25 million modeling, among other shit. Both Jenner girls, uh, Kim Kardashian. Cindy Crawford's daughter. I Cindy think. Crawford's daughter's in there. Haley Baldwin, the Baldwin girl, married Justin Bieber. Uh, the other Baldwin girl, all these second generation TV celebrity people. Um, it's not that they're all unattractive necessarily. It's just that they don't seem to have, as much as we made fun of Miss Universe and beauty contestants or models, you assume there's some apprenticeship skill set that's involved in modeling. Like, in the very least, like acting, it's the kind of 
industry that was always a pay your dues type industry. Yeah. Like if you're a girl, you had to be uh, first uh, picked up on the street by a, a creepy pedophile at 12 and told you were pretty and should be a model. <laughs> so you were taken out of your village by some Romanian guy who went around collecting hot girls in Eastern Europe. Well, I, w- I would and assume I, the paying your dues part is directly related to the difficulty of the activity. So acting is not the most difficult thing in the world, but it does take some time to know where the camera is and whatnot. It's, it's harder than modeling. Well, I mean, pain, uh, when I may say pain your dues, I mean uh, getting fucked by ugly, fat, old guys. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> yes. thought you meant like honing the crap. No, no, no. I meant like, <laughs> I mean, all these stories about even if it, uh, uh, Kate Moss or something like that, they all started at 12. So modeling begins like in Europe at 11 or 12 and you are taken away from your family and basically smoking cigarettes and going to adult parties like at 12 <laughs> and then uh, having a French, uh, like a 35-year-old uh, Jura Depardieu type boyfriend when you're like 14. So weird. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sexual assault slash child molesting slash, uh, you know, being forced to do drugs and, and sexualize yourself at a young age. There's a lot of shit that goes on to becoming a model or used to be. But now these poor like uh, Ukrainian and La- I don't I hate to stick up for these girls because they seem like empty, airheaded uh, sort of idiots. But it used to be if you were the hottest chicken in, in Latvia and you're in your county in Latvia, you could count on the fact that some guy would come come through town at twelve. Your parents would be given a hundred dollars and, and, and some some gold gold coins, and then some dude would take you off to Paris where you start this apprenticeship of being uh, uh, sexualized and molested. And, and, and Givenchy ads or, you know, Hermes ads and stuff like that as a, as a teenage girl. And you start making, re- you know, reasonable amount of money. You'd have a cool condo and eventually a soccer player boyfriend. <laughs> they used to be, I think that was a life, basically. And there are like dozens of these girls and uh, they changed over time. But they all made, I guess, you know, six figures and they got lots of free shit and they, until they got a Saudi boyfriend, a prince boyfriend or whatever else it was. And at 23, they had their whole family on the dole, on the dole from, the rich, from the rich boyfriend or husband. Now, apparently, those jobs have all gone away because the Jenners and the Baldwins and, and, and Kloss and all these other people have, in this celebrity-obsessed culture, media, social media-obsessed culture, have taken all the top modeling jobs. And I feel kind of bad for these, like, peasant, gir- <laughs> peasant girls who are... So your argument is, like, if we stop the, uh, you know, the factory uh, abuse in China with the people getting their hands cut off if they fuck up the T-shirt and, <laughs> right. you know, making a dollar an hour. Well, at least they have that job, right? So well, say we take that job away. Uh, what are they going to do then? You think about, like, if you're, if you're from, uh, even from Alaska, if you're from a poor city, like a poor city or poor area, the kid, one kid got, out, got a football scholarship, right, or something like that and gets out. Like, if you're in, in the Tom Cruise All the Right Moves movie in, East, in western Pennsylvania in a shitty coal mining town, to get like the D one scholarship was everything. Right. You get out of the factory. You don't have to work in the steel factory. I, I only know this from the movies. You don't. You don't have to work in the steel factory like your old man who's got asbestos lung. You get to get out and go play in Nebraska football, and your ticket's kind of punched to a much brighter future. Uh, for these ki- for these girl ch- girls in the Ukraine, it's being hot and blonde or whatever they are, and at eleven or twelve having the modeling network pick you up and take you to Prague or Paris. To start doing young teen modeling, uh, semi topless. <laughs> well, I'm thinking if so, th- and those jobs are go- those jobs are gone now. Is what I'm saying. Right, and they're and they're probably gone because we can agree that selecting a model is incredibly arbitrary. Yes. And there, for every model they choose, there's a hundred or a thousand other 
women. But it was but it was in the least an apprenticeship type job. You paid your dues from 12 to 18 and at 18 you were living in Manhattan with your girlfriends in a, in a, in a loft and you're well, making uh, 200 200 grand a year. Yeah, but I think now it's like okay, we have um Cindy Crawford's daughter. She's already here. She's we, got 10 million Instagram followers. Yeah, and and we know that so if if we can cut out this whole system of of exploitation and abuse. Oh, you see this as a positive thing for women, positive thing for women. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. describing how horrendous the situation well, is. Well, I don't think so I, I would not ascribe uh, uh, now they'll go into the STEM field. I don't think it's benevolent fact. I don't think it's benevolent motives to this. It's not benevolent, but it's it's I think it's social it, I think it's social I think it's social media slash media culture dominance that we want someone who from a TV show is worth so much more than an even hotter chick from the Ukraine. Named Skyla Sida or whatever her name is, you know Ivana Skolitskaya. Um, there used to be, I mean, just think ten years ago, it was all Russian models, all the SI models, all the lingerie models. Victoria's Secret, they're all from a lot of them for Africa, African nations, or they're from East Russia or Eastern Europe. And now they've all been replaced by you know celebrity model, Instagram followers, celebrity models. Well, it might not be. I don't think it's benevolence at all. No, but, but you know, maybe there is a. Uh, a sentiment of if we can avoid this because uh, everyone knows the situation with modeling that you just described but it's one of those things that continues to kind of get pushed under the rug and probably because it deals with women's fashion and they don't want to feel complicit in uh, in supporting that but but you are every time you go to Nordstrom's <laughs> yes. just so you know um, but you know they're probably saying A this could come back to bite us in the ass because at some point there's there's got to this has got to break through to like just like how CTE did in football like this is gonna this is gonna be a thing that people are talking about more than they are now. Oh, you so think it's a cover your ass type thing? Yes, and it's easier. <laughs> so it's definitely easier. I think it's just but the same reason why they're at putting these social media stars into TV and film productions is uh, you know why that the girl, who's that redheaded uh, Bella Thorne why she's in nine movies mm-hmm. even though no there's no appearance or suggestion she can act. Or that she's the least bit tolerable to be around, is because she has a massive social media following because she was a Disney Disney kid star. So I mean, it's sort of uh, I would think you would take the uh, a man on the street approach, uh, the blue collar approach to the acting or modeling that like these people who actually pay their dues coming up deserve the jobs, and not just the uh, the people who were born into uh, celebrity and popularity. Well, but I, I see, Matt, you've changed to an elitist pretty, quick, pretty <laughs> quickly. No, I would take that. Look, if they were just working hard and and they were going to modeling camps and yes. and and they were more qualified, yeah. But I can't support the fact that they're they're being you know sexually exploited from the age of twelve. Anytime you're, anytime an adult man is picking you out at age twelve and moving you to another city, there's there's a real problem. There. Although I think that's the same with the Jenners and Kardashian, Kardashian women, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but they still got to live in L.A. I mean, yes. the. I know that a lot of the models... They still have to have sex with French Montana like at 15 or... Yeah, that's true. Weird their mom has to broker their sex tape. Yes. But a, a lot of the, the European you know models are are pissed because they don't think that uh, Kendall Jenner earned Correct. any of this. And they're, they're right. But, you know, I feel the same way about Cole. At a certain point, your job is just sort of obsolete and... I don't. I don't know that that we need to keep fighting it. You know. Wow, you're you're allowing men to compete, take the jobs from Miss Universe contestants, and celebrities take the modeling jobs. I agree. It's not. It's another one of those things like the pageant industry. I could give shit about modeling if you want to be model. But I also understand that like 
if I if I equate it to football, like all the right moves and Tom Cruise, and we all thought he was straight still. Uh, if I equate it to the fo- like the guy from Alabama from Porsche, Alabama, getting a scholarship to Al- you know to Auburn or Alabama or LSU, it's a life. It's a game changer, right? Right. I mean, it's a huge game changer to be from a fucking crappy ass urban decay, crappy city to be a black dude and then get a D one scholarship. That's a big deal. Now, if those D one scholarships suddenly went to famous kids, rich kids, or legacy kids, and those scholarships went there, I think we'd be pissed. Yeah, I think so. It, it's just it's also hard to take something so retarded seriously at all, but to apply seriousness to it. But like, I don't think we should abandon them. I I don't think with coal we should close the plants and have everyone unemployed. But we have to transition into you know smarter technology. So with these Ukrainian models. It's like, okay. <laughs> Where do you think they're headed after they well, lost their modeling jobs? Can you be a paralegal? I mean, here's, here. <laughs> can you answer a phone? Can you do something? Here's how you hold a tray. Huh. Anything, really. Well, you know what happened now. So uh, uh, a friend of mine was worked with the Hustler Clubs in Europe. And uh, like all the other strip clubs in, in Europe, they use, I think they use, Hustler was a license name for them, Hustler brand. But they go to um, uh, like two or three stops in Eastern Europe. And they pick up girls for like three months assignments, and they bring them to the Western European countries to 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 strip in the clubs, strip in the clubs. Right. So now those hot girls that they used to search and bring to do modeling, now they just bring them straight to the strip, straight to the strip clubs because there's no modeling jobs for them oh, anymore. There you go. So you're right. They have found themselves a new. They have found themselves a new profession. So this is kind of a happy, a happy ending for them. All right, Matt, it's time for our predictions for 2019. Uh, we are predicting things that are going to happen next year that will be pretty big news in the world of anything, media, politics, social, uh, gender, social constructs. Uh, this is our last show of 2018, so we're going to see. We'll, we're, as I always say, we'll visit this at the end of 2019 to see who was right about their <laughs> predictions. Uh, do you want to go first? We each have three predictions for 2019. Uh, sure. Are we going in, in order of... No, nah, it doesn't matter. Did, did you rank yours in terms of like decent predictions to shitty predictions? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So I think that in... And so I don't want this to happen at all. I'll preface this. In a nationally televised either UFC fight or Ooh. NFL or major college game, someone's going to die on TV. Wow. And that's going to really generate a whole level of, of dialogue about what we're doing what what is entertainment are we exploiting people uh almost a, the a deeper discussion about free will and fate and who the fuck knows but because uh, football now in the nfl they're legislating against the rules of football and the dudes don't know how to act and i've noticed this year that uh everyone's hurtling people like in a video game yes and apparently what's happening is the offensive players feel more emboldened because they think there's less chance that a guy is going to target them seriously injure them yes and so they're actually doing things that are sticking their neck out there even more and also i just think in terms of the odds i'm kind of shocked it hasn't happened yet and i think in terms of like karma which i don't believe in but just in terms of like the way the universe works i just think this is this has been avoided too long and now that the nfl is uh you know, sort of towing the line and and not admitting the the dangers and whatnot. I just think it's something that I see happening. Wow, yeah. this is, sounds a, a little bit, if I could be psychologically different, like you are 
dream of a day when a sport that you couldn't play is taken out of, <laughs> taken out of existence <laughs> because you hold a grudge against it. I've been surprised with like who was it? Boom Boom Mancini killed the, the boxer killed in the ring uh, the Korean boxer. I think it was Korean boxer. I'm always surprised like more boxers don't die in the ring. Yeah, with all the head trauma they suffered. I mean, many of them die early later on after they retire, like in their 30s or 40s. But I'm surprised like more just don't die in the ring after taking blows to the head like that. I think they've gotten pretty wise to it in that you know they they throw in the towel, but it still seems like. Uh, because you know you, you always hear about it happening, but it's some backyard thing in Thailand or something. Yes, um, maybe people do die from the sport. But obviously. in terms of just like the the volume of football games and UFC fights and the inherent danger involved, it just seems like it we're kind of due. I feel like if a, a player did die in the field in the NFL, they'd be have a rapid response team that would pretend he just had a leg injury. <laughs> And they would like wave his move his arm around to wave his arm around to say like he's okay. Oh look, he's okay. And then like uh, three days later, they would announce that he died of complications at the hospital. They definitely would, like do a bacterial that. infection or something like that. Yeah, they'd stim. They'd just like start electrically prodding his body to make his limbs move. So like, oh look, he's waving. He's waving goodbye. He's fine. You know, if they pronounce him dead on the field, they would never pronounce him dead on the field. That would never ever happen. <laughs> Roger Goodell would be down there like. He's good. Thumbs up. Everyone's here. Everyone's Body cheer. bag comes out. Oh, my God. If someone died like in an actual football game, oh. now, you, now you just made me sad with that prediction. I got, I got a football prediction, too, as well uh, for 2019. I am predicting, this is more, way more positive, that the uh, Cleveland Browns will be the best team in the NFL next year. Wow. Yes. See, I bet against them to win less than six and a half games this year. Did you? It should be close. No, they're at six and eight right now, right? Six and yeah, seven, so six, eight, seven and one. Six, seven and one. Yeah, if they win one more game, I lose. Yeah, I like I like where the Browns are. I like where the Cleveland Browns are headed. I mean, they're the, the consummate joke of the NFL. Don't they get a big bump? Any team that's on hard knocks, every Yahoo that <laughs> yes. doesn't know shit about football is like, oh man, they're they're going to be really good this year. I think they actually have uh, uh, put together the. I mean, this is they always they've said this a couple times the last 15, 20 years, but I think this time they actually have put together. <laughs> And, they, and they had like one eight and eight season or nine seven season, then they faded again for seven more years. They literally said that last year though, when they won like zero games. Well, last year they won zero games. They weren't going to be the best. No one's going to be the best team after winning zero games. Wait, did you say the best team? They're going to be. I can't. Say, it's 2019, so I can't say it's going to win the Super Bowl because that'll be actually 2020. But I think they will be the uh, either the best record and or the best team or two in the NFL next year. And you're basing this just on their talent. Just on their talent and the fact of how much they've progressed year over year. Uh, and the fact that I think they actually have, I, I like Baker Mayfield a lot. I think they have the right coach in there and the right, uh, right players in there. And the young talent they drafted in the last few years actually has been solid talent as opposed to the shitty picks they used to make. And I think they're going to be like a, a, a 13 and 3 team next year. So that means their coach was aggressively horrible at what he was doing. Hugh Jackson? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was, well, he, what was his record? Like 12 and 42 or something. It was like, I don't know how he had a job still. <laughs> no. And then they fired him this year. Like, Oh, you just realized that maybe it's not working. But I don't think, I don't think the coaching, like in terms of the X and O's is that important. But I think when you have a shitty team, so I look at the 49ers, like Kyle Shanahan, they've had an equally shitty record to the Browns the last few years. And they had these horrible coaches come in, Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, and these other guys, the players just never bought into it. Like every, there's only so many teams in the NFL, and even the worst teams have a lot of talent on their teams. It's not like teams are talentless. It's not like baseball where the Dodgers and Yankees spend $300 million and like the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Marlins spend $40 million and have far less talent. Because yeah. of the salary cap and the way the drafting works, 
and same with sort of like the same in the NBA to some extent. Every team is only like a year or two away from the best team in the NFL. But the difference is because they always drafting these monster kids out of Alabama every year is the buying into the coach and the system. And once the guys buy into the coach and they make some good draft picks, a team can turn around really quickly. And I think that's what happened to the Browns. I'm, that's, that's my prediction, Matt. I could be wrong, but I think I'm going to be, <laughs> gonna be right. Well, if I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the Browns per se, but I think this is it. This is, they finally got it. If you really believe that, then after this Super Bowl wraps up, Bet in a January, bet. yes, they'll have the odds posted, and Cleveland will probably be probably eighth or ninth to one, yeah, to win the Super Bowl. So you should go ahead and put a thousand bucks on that. Uh, yeah, I might, <laughs> I might. Although I, I don't like to bet on. So I'm saying they'll be the best team. There won't be a Super Bowl in 2019 after this one, so they won't be that they will be in the Super Bowl because that will be a 2020 Super Bowl. But I think they'll be one of the like two or three best teams in the NFL next year. I don't know enough about football to argue with you, but I do. No, obviously with your death on the field thing. I do think you're wrong because I feel like they've just been saying that there's certain teams where they say that every year and it never happens. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'll probably be wrong. (laughs) All right, what's your second prediction? Uh, second prediction. I want to go out there. I'm going to say, oh, the Patriots will win a Super Belichick will win another Super Bowl. (laughs) Right, that's true. Um. Second prediction is a member of the American aristocracy, the the uh, political elite, uh, a child of, of one of these extended families. I'm talking. This is more death. Are we here? <laughs> more death. Almost as bad. Yes. Uh, you know, Megan McCain. Uh, what's Tiffany Trump? One yes. of these people, one of the one of the Obamas, although I give those girls a little more credit, is going to get a bad clip art style face tattoo really yes yeah hmm. one of the i was wondering what you're gonna say i think i say porn no we're megan gonna, mccain we're porn i would definitely watch uh she's yeah. not she has massive breasts i'm not sure why her breasts are so huge but they are and she's a chunky lady but she has monster sized breasts like i there's no one on television with the same size breasts that she has <laughs> I'm talking about even like fake women with fake breasts. She has like 42 double D, triple D breasts or something like that. It sounds like you're real into it. Well, no, but I mean, I would watch her porn. I mean, I would just, you know, like, I don't want to watch Malia Obama necessarily, but I'd watch McCain's daughter in like one, one clip. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, said, I'm a face tattoo. Why, 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 face, why a face tattoo of all the rebellious things to do? Well, the porn, like, so we've had Kim Kardashian in the White House supposedly helping legislate things. Like, we're. <laughs> The t- president's fucking porn stars. And, yeah, uh, but Meghan McCain really. A so face? we've we've yeah. devolved fairly fairly rapidly actually yeah. in the last few years since we let. I think you're gonna uh, say assassination. No, anyone crazy enough to kill Trump is a supporter of Trump. Uh, no, but I mean, like for one of these aristocracy, a famous rich kid or something would be. A I don't s- think anyone cares. I just think in terms of they're going to Kashi sixty nine society degrading to the point, and like, what's more emblematic? of that than uh, the face tattoo because you can't get rid of it. It's sort of self-destructive. It's, it's, uh, you're doing it in the moment. It's a fad that is fucking retarded. I mean, you thought bell bottoms were bad. Like this is a hundred times worse. Um, so yeah, I just, I think we're going to see more uh, and it doesn't have to just be the political elite, but more members of, uh, you know the, the sort of uh, arist- uh, one percenters. Do we have an aristocracy one anymore? Is, it, is, it, is there anyone in the aristocracy that people know about who's not in media, like who's not a TV? Media oh, like celebrity? the Koch brothers. And yeah, there's behind the scenes. Okay, guys. I mean, like the Bush girls. You think the Bush girls are going to get face tattoos? 
Yeah. Really? And, and porn you could you could throw in there too. I would I love porn would be a great prediction. I'm feeling better about my Cleveland Browns prediction. <laughs> I'm not seeing the face tattoo. I, I think assassination porn and potentially like uh dropping out into a cult maybe. Those things are all very possible. Face tattoo for women is like a or prison time. Yeah, you did mention women mostly. And women's face tattoo is that's a big that's a big leap. But it's becoming fairly common. Really? Yeah. But not like the Takashi sixty nine tattoo. Well, in that style. Spider, uh, full spider. Well, it's it's like they're they're not tattoos in the sense of what I th- they're they're little icons. They're okay. like they're like little stickers that like you a teardrop get, when you get like your first kill, gang kill. I just picture yeah, like you get out of a, a Pokemon. Uh, Do you remember that we had we had the uh, um, uh, Jacano guy on the show? Uh, Jacanos do whatever they did funny oh, stuff. Oh yeah, Those and he had the cool. uh, he had the t- the facial tattoo of the Marshall the Marshall thing like. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. To be fair, he did probably kill people, so there was that. So he earned his he earned his ta- his prison tat. Yeah, he was nice. Well, that's when we were doing it from Rocco's, so I yeah. felt I felt fairly sick. Well, he did have a knife wound down his front of his face, from the front of his face, from his eye down to down to his cheek. He had a kni- it had been cut by a knife. Yeah, that's the one show I just tried to not say anything offensive. Yeah, he was he was he was definitely legit. I think if we had been done the show in East LA, we would both would have been dead. <laughs> Uh, my my second prediction, Matt, is one of a political nature, which you can probably argue with uh, on a grander scale. I think at the end of 2019, there won't be it's the big election year, 2020. I think the top three candidates in the Democratic Party will be Biden, Sanders, and Kamala Harris. I think Kamala Harris will be leading. Okay, uh, yeah. going into 2020. Now that will be before the first actual primary, but I see uh, Kamala Harris as being the uh, I don't want to uh, be arrested and say dark horse. But I think Kamala Harris will be the Democratic nominee. I think a uh, very good chance of that. It depends. She's at she's she's one percent right now, and the straw the early straw polls. <laughs> Biden and Sanders were up there, and uh, some other some of the Elizabeth Warren and some other names. Yeah, well, it depends on. So if the Democrats decide they want to win, and I'm not sure Trump will be there, but whatever. If he is, um, if they decide they want to win, so they. They're like, okay, we're gonna have this black woman, and they know that a lot of people aren't gonna go for that, and they also know that Joe Biden, uh, being a sort of manly, you know, a masculine guy who's been around the block and uh, certainly a lot more respectable person than Trump from a personal level. Which he would have. Wa- I think. I think. And I don't like any of these people. I don't like Trump. I don't like any of these other people. I think Biden would have beat him in 2016. Biden would have demolished yeah. him because, you know, Trump can't bully Joe Biden. No, it's not just that. But I think the negatives on Hillary were so high yeah. that that's how Trump won. People hated Hillary. The people that voted for Trump hated Hillary more than they hated Trump. Whereas Biden's kind of hard to hate. Yeah. And, and that's what people vote on. They yes. don't they don't know the issues. Well, I think with Obama, they voted. They felt inspired to vote for the first black president or he inspired them in some way. Uh, but I think with the last 2016 election it was like, who do you hate? slightly less yeah well uh, but see the democrats mm, strategically they think that people will look at their bad strategy and be like well they're really going out on a limb that's (laughs) respectable but that's not how people work at all um so they might you know they might try and push kamala harris through and and look i obviously have no problem with a black woman being a president at this time, when when you're going around saying, oh, it's the most popular election in the history of the world, okay, maybe you play it a little safer than that. Uh, so, But that's not how they operate, so I don't know. Okay. I don't think it's a bad prediction. Yeah, I just, I, I th- and I don't, I don't, I think anyone who comes from California should never be involved in the president. <laughs> they, 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 California is such a shit, such a shit show. 
Uh, and I don't think she's necessarily experienced. I mean, Biden's thing is I'm the most experienced guy, and he is by far the most experienced guy. Um, he will be really old at the time. Of, I mean, he's like 74 now, 75. So he will be by far the oldest president. And being even older than Trump, it's probably not a great strategy. But he is clearly the uh, less, far less hated <laughs> among the candidates. I don't think Sanders could ever win. If you're just, you could just say, I'm a, I'm a white guy. I'm like a normal non-criminal white guy yes you would win the election based on i mean but democrats are not going to want to elect a white i don't think they're going to want to inherently i think there'll be enough juice to not elect a, an old white guy yeah to nominate an old white guy that i think that's why i think yes i think biden would be have much more popularity among the elders of the party and the important figureheads in the county people run the county shit and all that stuff but i feel like the grassroots thing is once there's a black woman in play i think there's gonna be such a grassroots push for that just like there was for Sanders in 2016, that's going to be very hard for them to ignore. I agree. All right. Awesome. All right. Your third and final prediction for 2019, Matt. All right. Third prediction. Uh, sh- I have two. All right. So I'm going to do. You can do two. Combine them. Well, my first one, I'll just get out of the way because I, I don't want to okay. talk about it as much. I think that Trump will have a psychotic episode Ooh. and be. Like another one? <laughs> like another one? Like. Well, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll crack. He'll have okay. a, a nervous like breakdown. Like a visible. A visible. And and be either fifty one fifty or uh, tranquilized for a period of days, and we'll never find out about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I agree. I I can't argue with that because the never finding out part means that it could happen, and we would never know. Yeah, so that's a, a hard prediction to make. Um, but I think that like, how would you recognize the signs of Trump having a psychotic break? What well, should we look? For, what should we look for? They're already happening. What should we look for different than I'm now? I'm picturing the scene. Like in he wears a tutu, comes out in a tutu, and like. Well, he's getting more and more disjointed on on. Uh, I was going to say tender on Twitter. Yes, and uh, but more than he was two years ago, you think? Yeah, he's behaving. He's behaving like someone who's on speed, which he is. If he gets imp- if he gets impeached, I could see that throwing him over the edge. Well, that's what I think is going to happen. He won't be removed from office, but if he gets impeached, I could see that throwing him over the edge. I think he'll. I, I think he'll be impeached, and there will there will start to be a tide of opinion as to whether or not the people in the Senate will remove him or look out for their best interest because they have no loyalty, obviously. But right. if they decide that it's in their best interest to start this process of removing, I don't him, think they I honestly just to point out. I don't think they will only because by the time that all happens, it will be the election of 2020. Yeah. And everyone will just say, just don't vote for him, you know, in two months from now. Regardless, I just yeah. think he'll be so boxed in that I'm I'm picturing the end of Shawshank Redemption when the guy's sitting at his desk and takes out the <laughs> six-shooter. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's going to kill himself, but I think he's going to become so erratic from the constant stress of knowing that you're deeply involved in a criminal conspiracy and that everyone's getting all the information. I don't think that... I don't See, I don't think that bothers him at all. I, I mean, think I, think that, I think popularity bothers him. I don't think the criminal conspiracy part bothers him at all. I think it does. Really? Um, okay. But my I, real... What's your other prediction? My more since interesting... We can't, since we won't be able to double-check the veracity of that one. Uh, yeah. Well, because everyone's cutting the cord and network TV is getting lamer and lamer to the point that I don't... Outside of sports, I don't really know anyone that watches it um, who I respect <laughs> that's under the age of 50. Um, so I think that in an effort to com- uh, compete with, like, Vice that the networks are going to develop some really pathetic shows yes. that attempt to be edgy. And uh, so they'll have a show where, like, James Franco talks about smoking weed. Really? On network TV? Yeah. Okay. And and it'll be like, uh, 
you know, like we're back, baby. Like we're, you know, we, we, we're just as edgy as, as vice and, and the, the young Turks and Vox. And we're going to talk about politics in a real way, you know, like how MTV used to be a lot of leather jackets and everyone will have a very specific look, you know, like uh, the hippie guy or whatever. And it'll be kind of drug centric and they'll talk about politics and it will be fucking unwatchable bomb horribly and uh, be canceled. That sounds reasonable to me. By the way, I was just I was reading an article uh, from the early 90s about when NYPD Blue, NYPD Blue came on ABC. Hmm. It was, uh, you were too young to remember, probably, but it was like, like the most controversial network show of its time because when cable, in the early 90s, cable shows, TNT and all the other shows started doing cop shows that were much more racy. Then you know, TV was, could barely do any racy cop shows or hospital shows, ER, that sort of stuff. Very PG rated. And then TNT and TBS, basic cable, were starting to do not quite R, but definitely PG-13 leaning stuff with like shots of bare asses and violence and blood and stuff like that in cop shows. And uh, Milch and, and uh, what's the other guy from NYPD Blue, Bochco, started like saying, like went to ABC, said, look, we got to have a cable-like show on network TV. You guys are going to start losing ratings like crazy because people want to see more violent cop shows and more racy cop shows and they want to see the hot cops having sex. And ABC knew that they had to do this as a business thing. But inherently, the whole institution was against, you know, st- standards and practices against this stuff. So literally, they fought on every single issue involving language, nudity, stuff like that, to the point that, like, Bob Iger, who was running ABC at the time, uh, would actually sit down with Bosco and they would draw the pictures of the naked person <laughs> in sketches to show what camera angles were allowed and were not allowed to show of the naked woman and the naked man. I mean, actually, they couldn't show nipples. So that was the first show that showed a butt, right? Yeah, on network TV and a butt and, uh, right. and uh, also t- and breasts, bare breasts. They covered the, the blur. They did somewhere they blurred a little bit and they did somewhere the angles were just cut just so so you couldn't see the, any of the frontal breasts. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot. And they were cl- the actors were clearly naked. Um, I mean, they're wearing something around the crotch. Was probably. this well received? Well, no, it was uh, so like 67 outlets dropped it. Dropped, wouldn't refuse to show it. Of the ABC uh, affiliates around the country refused to show it. And there, Bosco was talking about how uh, they thought that was the end of it. Like you had to literally go around to like Nebraska and like you know all these places and like say you got to carry this show. And they're like the ABC were affiliates were refusing to show it because it was too racy. So, but it went on to be the biggest. Then it went on to be the biggest, highest rated show on the on the network. So that goes to show. So maybe James Franco's uh, smoking pot show will do, will do okay. <laughs> I my <laughs> final prediction for 2019, Matt, is that a big A list actor, which will not be a surprise to us, will come out as gay. And I'm going to go ahead and name, name names. I'm going to say Jamie Foxx mm. comes out as a ho- openly homosexual in 2019. It'll be some of his il- some of his stature, film and TV star of his stature. And it will not the announcement, by the way, will not surprise you and I or most people in Hollywood. But it will be the first legitimate A-list actor to come It'll out. Be a big case. deal, and they'll they'll have the Barbara Walters. Is she still alive? Yes, yeah, she is. They'll have that special lined up, and. It'll probably boost his career, whoever it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it won't hurt their career, and it won't be Tom Cruise. Although that'll be that was would a, that start a floodgate though? Once Jamie uh, Fox comes out, will Tom Cruise and Travolta and Will Smith? Have no, to I don't think out? any of the Scientologists will ever come out as gay because mm. I don't think they see themselves as gay. But I think Jamie Fox will see it as more of an LGBTQ activist issue. Like whoever does it will become a huge activist for gay for gay rights at that point, mm-hmm. and none of those Scientologists will become an activist for gay rights. So Jamie Fox will become like a. Fi- Whoever it is, if Jamie Foxx or someone like that will become the figurehead for you know, LGBTQ in Hollywood. I think Jamie Foxx is, I, I like your prediction. I think it's very astute. Um, for some reason, and I have no idea why, I was 
Googling yesterday Jamie Foxx gay. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I was doing that. I was really bored. Obviously. I can think of some reasons why. Procrastinating. Yes. Um, but he's, yeah, he's at the point. I mean, at a certain point, do the rumors kind of overtake you and you just want to get it out there? Oh, I don't think anyone's going to be like, sh- I mean, it's going to be like when Ellen announced that she was gay. Oh, that was 20 years ago now or more. Which is kind of fascinating. She's gone on, obviously, to have a huge career, and for but you know a different kind of career. Uh, she went pure vanilla t- talk show for women in the afternoon kind of career. She didn't become an edgy. Co- she didn't become an edgy comic. Right. Uh, but I don't. I don't. You know, I, Jamie Fox. I mean, what's he going to be doing? He'll still be doing dramatic movies. I don't think he's really doing the action films anymore. He's every once a year he comes up with these bad cop action films that no one ever sees. So that's not him anymore. So you don't think anyone. You don't think it would affect his career? I mean, I think everyone knows he's gay. I think everyone knows whoever it is is going to be someone we all know is gay already, right? But it's so it's not going to be a shock. But it'll be a shock that they publicly identify as gay because really, if you think about it, there's no A-list male actor, film actor who identifies as gay, even though we know probably a third half of them are homosexual. Yeah, there never there never has been. I mean, we're going back to. Rock Hudson and no. no one's ever been openly gay. No, there's always a B list or C list actor who comes out, but there's been no one. There's been no, you know, Jamie Fox, Academy Award winner, big hundred million dollar plus box office, multiple box office films. He's a he's a superstar, um, and you know he was he was Ray. <laughs> so <laughs> was I think it would boost, especially because Hollywood, you know, casts and, and greenlights things. So I think it would boost the actors you know uh, popularity on the left but i also think because you know there's obviously a decent amount of homophobia still in this country i don't because i picture it being a good looking charming guy like yes. jamie fox or something yes. so i don't really picture anyone caring i don't picture it hurting the guy's bottom line too much you don't think like zach galifianakis comes out as gay is going to really <laughs> it's going to be somebody more that, that somebody with a history of late a ladies man who would be the funniest guy to come out as gay i can't think of anybody I cannot honestly think of anyone who I would be like, no way. Harrison Ford? Well, he's too old. He's too old now. But I mean, I can't think of anybody who would be like, like if Ryan Reynolds came out and said he was gay, I would be like, okay. Like, I can't think of anybody, any name of like a major A-list male actor now where I would be like shocked. Like, no way did I see that coming. Yeah. I mean, the coming out part would be the shock, but not that he was actually gay. There's not a single person I can think of. Like, there's going to be like that guy Lucas Hedges or... Timothy Chalamet is going to answer gay. If like, Hulk Hogan fuck. came out as gay, I'd, I I might have to take the day off. <laughs> <laughs> even that, even that would not, even that would not surprise me. Really, I guess. I mean, we know he fucks women, so it would be, it would, it would be some kind of weird thing. But all right, that's our predictions for 2019. <laughs> hey Matt, that's our show for today. And our last show of 2000 and, uh, 2018, I believe. So uh, do you have something you wish to pip and promote for the holidays where people can find you? Um, no. <laughs> Twitter, Matthew Ralston, Instagram. Uh, uh Hamburger Mary's in West Hollywood. Where can they find you? I'm always there. I should have some. Uh, is, there a, is there a gay-themed uh, uh, New Year's, Christmas slash New Year's parade in Hollywood? Mm. I don't know. My friend is trying to get me to go to this bar. It's all you. C- it's down the street from my house. It's all you can drink. Sixty five dollars. I'm like, I don't know if I want to commit to getting that drunk because I'm gonna have to feel like now I need to, you know, drink that much. Was on New Year's Eve? You mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would not. I would never enter into a contract where it's all you could drink. It's <laughs> that just seems like that seems like an inherently. Even if you end up saving, what are you gonna save? Like twenty bucks. 
It just seems like a bad de- seems like a bad deal. Well, if you can remain relatively sober, it's yes. probably actually a really good idea. If it's one of those full entertainment packages where there's like a band and there's like a party and something else and it's a fixed fee, yes. But if it's just like... No, it's like a dank shithole. That's what I mean. It's just like, how much can you drink? It just seems like... And you're going to say, maybe if you do it right, you save 20, 25, 20, 30 bucks. But, but the downside, you, the downside could be much much greater than that. Couldn't you, in a in a very non creepy way, but just remaining within your faculties, you know, pull a lot of drunk, you know, you could get some serious uh, phone number networking. You, you could meet a lot of chicks, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, you think there'll be a lot of hot chicks at the All You Can Drink place? I don't know, sixty five dollars. I'll tell you the worst thing about the All You Can Eat or All You Can Drink place. I took my son; he wanted to go to one of these All You Can Eat places for like. Japanese barbecue places and I don't even eat I eat very little meat I just don't eat a lot of meat it was an all you can eat meat place yeah. and he loves fucking like pounds and pounds of steak he's a teenage boy he loves pounds of steak and all this shit and uh, but they force you you can't have one guy buy the all you can eat I learned when I was there because <laughs> like, I'll just have a I'll just have a salad and he'll have the all you can eat they're like no you can't do that you can't have one guy at the table get the all you can eat and the other person get a salad and a cup of tea <laughs> because you know, obviously you would just abuse the abuse the system and he would share all his food with you. Yeah. <laughs> so we both had that. to get the, it was like 50 bucks. So we both had to get the thing. And I was like, listen, son, you got a hundred bucks on your head now, fucking meat. Cause I'm still just having the fucking salad and maybe a small piece of chicken. So it was it. Intestines, innards, everything, man. I just ordered everything. Jesus. I said, you're fucking, he must have eaten like four pounds of fucking meats. I was like, this is not a $50 all you can eat. This is a hundred dollar you can eat now. And I want my, <laughs> what my money's worth. That's the pressure. I right, nothing to pivot promote. Happy New Year, Matt. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Last Man on Earth. Actually, next year. Last Man on Earth. Liz Lex, out. Merry fucking Christmas time. Santa Claus is going wild. Christmas party never stop. Drinking vodka, throwing up. Siberia. So open up your bars now, Santa Claus is here now.